and welcome to Standard Precautions and Beyond, Conversations in Infection Prevention and Control, a podcast of the Alabama Regional Center for Infection Prevention and Control, Training and Technical Assistance, or the ARC-IPC. With it almost summertime here in Alabama, we wanted to share some infectious diseases you should be on the lookout for while traveling. One type of virus many people may encounter during summer travel and are a cause for concern are noroviruses or you may hear them sometimes called a stomach flu or a stomach bug. In this podcast, we'll learn a little bit more about this type of virus, where you may come in contact with it, and how you can keep yourself safe. Joining us today to share some information on norovirus is Dr. Marilyn Bullock, Associate Clinical Professor in the Department of Pharmacy Practice and the Director of Strategic Operations at the Auburn University Harrison College of Pharmacy. Dr. Bullock also holds an adjunct associate professor appointment with the University of Alabama at Birmingham, Hearsink School of Medicine, and the University of Alabama College of Community Health and Sciences, Department of Family, Internal, and Rural Medicine. Dr. Bullock received her doctor of pharmacy degree from the Ernest Mario School of Pharmacy at Rutgers University in 2007 and completed a postgraduate pharmacy practice residency at the University of Alabama at Birmingham Hospital in 2008. Currently, Dr. Bullock practices at the DCH Regional Medical Center in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, where she provides comprehensive pharmacotherapy management for patients on the inpatient service with a specific focus on infectious disease and other acute and critical illness needs. Thank you for joining us today, Dr. Bullock. I'm glad to be here. Awesome. So can you tell us a little bit more about norovirus or noroviruses in general? Absolutely. So first of all, I think some people may actually think of norovirus by its old name. We used to call it the Norwalk virus, but it's now sort of been renamed this norovirus. It's a single-stranded, non-enveloped RNA virus. Is a bunch of viruses, just like the flu or coronavirus. It's classified into what we call 10 genogroups and 48 genotypes. And usually if you look at the strain name, they often have a a city associated with them. Um, Worldwide, though, now you can get affected with any of these, but worldwide variants of the GII.4 genotype typically are the most common. This is a group of viruses that affects about 20 million people everywhere um, in the United States through about 2,500 outbreaks. Um, And that's actually a small percentage of what we see worldwide. Like worldwide, we're talking about 685 million cases. So it is a very common virus. So how would somebody know that they have norovirus? What are the, the common symptoms? You know, how long or how early is someone contagious? That type of info. A lot of times when people first develop the symptoms of norovirus, they don't think of it being an infection, right? The most common symptoms are going to be GI, nausea, vomiting, uh, non-bloody diarrhea. In fact, it's the leading cause of acute diarrhea and vomiting in the U.S. across all ages. And some people, but not all, have this really terrible cramping. They call it the worst part of it. But it's often mistaken for food poisoning on the first day of symptoms. But where food poisoning will usually go away after a day or two, the norovirus symptoms continue on for several days. Now, the reason a lot of people might not think of it as an infection you know, we're sort of programmed to think of an infectious, you know, somebody's got a fever, right? 
not not everybody with norovirus spikes a fever and if they do it tends to be pretty low grade you're miserable for several days but you don't necessarily think you're sick but because people do develop such intense um, nausea and vomiting and diarrhea it's you know they tend to get dehydrated their electrolytes get out of whack so it's not unusual for them to also develop associated symptoms like being very tired or fatigued they might get headaches even some people complain of muscle aches almost like they've got the flu which is where that term the stomach flu comes into play now you asked about transmission normally the virus is found in the vomitor stool and i think we're all smart we think oh i would notice vomitor stool somewhere but these particles can be really small you do have to come in close contact with someone who's had it or been around but they don't have to be sick today they may have just gotten over their symptoms as far as two days out from their symptoms going away or they may sort of be in that you know pre-sick phase they've been exposed they have the virus but their symptoms haven't started um, so the virus will get on their hands and then it's really easily spread through inanimate objects you'll see a lot of warnings about not sharing food or utensils with people who are sick but i think that's pretty much common sense most people you know they're not going to go share food <laughs> with someone who's yeah. sick but honestly the way it spreads so quickly is through the less assuming ways right so this is a virus that sticks to inanimate objects and it's pretty resilient on these surfaces it can last for like up to 14 days sometimes even longer so all you got to do is touch a doorknob or a toilet handle and there you go you have been exposed now you mentioned summer right so we are we're traveling we're going places on vacationing and this is also a virus that thrives in the water at low temperatures and at high temperatures and so community pools lakes they are prime places for this um, virus to live especially in pools if you don't have enough chlorine and somebody who maybe doesn't know they're sick yet or has been sick but their symptoms just went away and they're like oh i'm good to get into the pool they get in they may not even know that they're spreading it and then hot tubs a lot of people think hot tubs are safer because they're they're hot but the virus can survive at temperatures of you know up to 145 degrees fahrenheit so they can be a that's almost more favorable i know so it it really can be a risk um when you travel yeah very obviously so so if so the symptoms are are kind of common in some cases with other things that we would see how would somebody know that they have norovirus is there a test for norovirus there is. I don't know how commonly it's used out in re the real world, though. Um, so, gotcha. you know, if you have somebody who is very sick and maybe comes to a hospital, there's a PCR test that we can run. But I think most of the time it's going to be sort of clinical um, in terms of what what is going on. A lot of it is symptom-based treatment. Are there any groups that are more susceptible to norovirus and may get sicker than other people from it? Well, I just want to point out this very important fact that it, the virus itself can affect anyone. I had someone earlier this year who was in their, you know, very healthy in their young 20s come down with it and they were absolutely miserable. That, that being said, older adults and young 
children, it's not that they're more susceptible to catching the virus, but they're more susceptible to like the dehydration and the fatigue and all the subsequent effects that come from the nausea and the vomiting and the diarrhea. And that, that kind of makes sense, right? These are age groups that don't necessarily have the same reserve in their body. They can't, they don't bounce back as well as somebody you know, who's healthy, young in their 20s. Um, older adults especially have comorbidities that can be affected by the you know, dehydration. I would say those are the groups, again, not that they're going to catch it more often, but they, they are a little bit more vulnerable to the downstream effects with it. And you, you kind of touched on it a little bit with saying that it, it definitely can be waterborne, um, so to say, but there are some other ways that we've, we've read about for contracting norovirus, such as through undercooked shellfish. Could you tell us a little bit more about that type of spread? Absolutely. Now, I think a lot of people think of this less of a common way to catch it, but you, you mentioned you can get it from food grown or harvested in contaminated water where the virus has sort of found its way there through untreated human sewage and vomit. And there are several ways this can happen. There can be a leak in a septic system, faulty wastewater treatment, boaters can eject it, beachgoers, and, oh, yeah. and the list goes on and on. Now, technically, this is not just shellfish. I mean, you, this could include food grown in an area that's using this contaminated water for irrigation. But I think realistically, it's probably more of an issue for foods like oysters or other shellfish that are harvested in contaminated water. One of the big reasons is because, as I mentioned earlier, the virus lives longer in cold marine water, which correlates to the shellfish. It also sort of correlates to why we might right. see it in, in winter. Shellfish are filter feeders. So they filter seawater through their bodies to get food that's floating in the water. And we have norovirus in the water. The shellfish then accumulate that virus in their, their bodies. And as I mentioned before, everyone thinks of oysters, but it's not just oysters. It, in, right. it involves clams, scallops, mussels, all my favorites. The big difference is, and I think the reason oysters maybe get associated with it a little bit more, is they are more likely to be eaten raw than the others are. So a place like, and we've, we've kind of touched on a few of these things, somewhere like a cruise ship where there could be plenty of uncooked oysters or just undercooked seafood and people maybe... <laughs> Not with the best hand hygiene, maybe a perfect storm for something like a norovirus outbreak. Absolutely. Yes, yeah, so I think the, the big news stories we see are typically those types of, of outbreaks. So we usually hear about norovirus more during the winter months. And I know you, you kind of mentioned cool marine water um, being a, a better host for the virus. Um, could you tell us more about why we, we typically hear about it in the winter? Yeah, absolutely. Now, to be fair, the, the norovirus can technically happen cause infection any time of the year, but it does happen to be one of those viruses that occurs in outbreaks. I think more people are hypervigilant about outbreaks of any pathogen since the pandemic, but norovirus outbreaks are not necessarily new or rare. And as you mentioned before, there is this season when outbreaks are more common. It runs from approximately November to April in the northern hemisphere. There are some studies that indicate the virus thrives more in cold cold temperatures. That would sort of explain why we see more cases in winter. But again, it's I wouldn't say that that's definitively been concluded, but the studies do indicate that it, it likes colder weather. 
Interesting. I feel like people maybe think viruses die off when it gets too cold, but not not always the case. So with that, you've, you've shared a lot of great information with us and I kind of end us on a, a positive forward note. What advice do you have for people to, to keep themselves safe from norovirus and to, to help keep it from spreading? The thing is, is we're traveling and we're vacation or even if we're a, around home, just be aware. When we go on vacation, we tend to be more relaxed and less vigilant. Pay attention to where you're going to eat, um, thinking about community pools, making sure they have enough chlorine in it, that those kind of common practical things. Wash your hands before you eat, making sure that you're very vigilant about washing hands before you after you use the restroom, those kind of things. The other thing is to think about, this is not just true here. We talked about this being a virus for the winter, but now people are starting to travel internationally again. The Southern Hemisphere, this is their winter. In the tropics, this runs year round. So you can't just think about winter in terms of the way we think about it. So just be very vigilant. Also, anytime you get fruit or vegetables, wash them before you eat them. Making sure if you're sick, stay home. And just practical common sense, things like that, I think go a long way. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Bullock, for joining us. Um, I know I learned a lot, Marilyn, so thank you very much. Um, and thank you, everybody else, for listening. Please tune in next time for another episode of Standard Precautions and Beyond. Conversations in Infection Prevention and Control.